evening church. Uh, today's scripture reading is taken from Ephesians 2 verses 11 to 22. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh and the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might rec reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For, though he, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you, are, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, thank you, Cassandra, for reading the Bible. And uh, indeed, <laughs> the Nablets, uh, we're going to miss you a lot. <laughs> and uh, you're truly a blessing uh, to our church. And uh, we can't wait for you to come back. And in fact, uh, in appreciation, we're preparing a new church for you when you come back. <laughs> so wait for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, good afternoon, uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, uh, today, uh, we're going to continue with our sermon series uh, on the book of Ephesians. And uh, today's passage will be uh, from uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 13. So if you have the Bible, please uh, uh, open your Bible and I'll read God's Word. Ephesians chapter 3 For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Jesus Christ through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His Spirit. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone 
What is the plan of the mystery hidden in ages in God, who created all things? So that, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you uh, for your word, for your revelation that uh, we have this uh, privilege and uh, advantage uh, to know what you have told us uh, through the prophets and apostles. Lord, we pray the Lord you will uh, give us the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation uh, to open the eyes of our hearts uh, to see uh, your word and to give thanks uh, for your glorious grace for us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you ask me about 21 years ago when I first joined CDPC, whether I, will, I can imagine myself uh, serving as an elder or even preach, <laughs> preaching on the pulpit like what I'm doing now, I can tell you that that was totally out of my mind. I didn't think I, I was a suitable person. You know, to me, there are more uh, people who are very holy, you know, very qualified, and not me. And uh, some of the, one of the reasons I think when I thought the way was because I, want, I just wanted to be a good Christian. I just want to be a, 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 a member of the church, you know, and, and have a good relationship with uh, Jesus, thank Him for His salvation, and hopefully all our family, you know, can uh, enjoy this relationship uh, for eternity in the future. And that's it. Very simple and nice. And besides that, I also heard a lot about church uh, ministry. Some, you know, they have burnout. You know, some they have bad experience. You know, of course, not in our church, from other churches. So that kind of uh, image of ministry and the church uh, sometimes also deter me from proceeding further. But. Now, when I came to think about that, I believe that because I thought that way was because I actually have a very simplistic view of being a Christian and also a very simplistic view of uh, what the church is. Just a ticket to heaven. That was what I thought. But I hope today's passage uh, may, uh, to a certain extent, help us to understand better about uh, the God's grace and the God's plans for us as a church. Then our view of uh, being a Christian and uh, as a church uh, may, may be changed. So in chapter 3, uh, after convincing the Ephesians that the Gentiles, they are no longer strangers and aliens, and they are fellow citizens and members of the household of God in the chapter 2. And Paul continues to say 
that it is for that reason he, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles. And as a matter of fact, we all know that Paul, when he was writing this Ephesians, he was in prison in Rome. So, why did he say that I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, not a prisoner of uh, Romans? I think what Paul is trying to say by saying that he's the prisoner of uh, a Jesus Christ is that in whatever circumstances he was in, Paul, he belonged to Christ. Because Jesus is the Lord of his life everywhere, even in prison. And he knows that the Romans' prison will not be able to stop him from doing what he has been called to do. That is to share the mystery of God. Uh, in this case, to the Gentiles. And that was exactly what Paul was doing in writing the book of Ephesians. And he became prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of Gentiles because we can see from the book of Acts, we know that it was the fanatical Jewish opposition to his mission to the Gentiles that landed him in the Romans' prison. The, the Jewish people would not be able to accept Paul's message, especially that the Gentiles have the same access to God as the Jews did. And in fact, Paul could have easily avoided this prison by just keeping quiet or, or keep a low profile about the message uh, to the Gentiles. But we, we know very clearly he did not shrink from his calling to preach faithfully the revelation given to him. And we know that prison door is not an obstacle for him to fulfill his calling as the apostles to the Gentiles. And when he is in, thrown in jail, nothing has changed. Only that he earned another title. Previously, he called his, his a servant, apostles. Now, he is the prisoner of Jesus Christ. And his determination uh, cannot be doubted. But even as they say that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he was confident in, in Jesus. It doesn't deter him from proceeding to preach the gospel. But the listeners, the Ephesians, the Gentiles, when they heard that Paul is a prisoner of uh, Rome, actually he was in prison, they might not feel the same way. And probably Paul thought that the fact that he was prisoned might discourage the Ephesians, the Ephesians to, to continue to be Christian and to preach God's word. And then he paused, if you notice, that he breaks off from what he said. And he says something in the long parenthesis in verses 2 to 12 in order to encourage them. So if you look at it, you show there is a, he was a, he went into another topic just to encourage the Ephesians. So he began to explain in verse 2 about the stewardship of God's grace that was given to him for the Gentile. Uh, in NIV, uh, the word stewardship 
was described as administration of God's grace. Basically, what it means that God was, Paul was given this gracious assignment. He was given this task and duty uh, given by the grace of God. And Paul's view on this duty given by God as an undeserved kindness of God towards him. So the question now is, what we should ask ourselves is that, do we as Christians, uh, even as a church, we have the great commission from the Lord to make disciples of all nations. Do we view opportunities for evangelism as a gift of God, entrusted to us by God? And do we be thankful to God for that opportunity? Or do we view the calling for evangelism as burdens which would rather do without? So very often we view or focus God's grace only to the unmerited or even demerited favor from God in, in salvation. But I think it is more than that. And today's passage forces us to think of grace as also a gift for ministry. A grace is not merely a privilege, but grace always brings responsibility. And we all know this saying from the Spider-Man, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. I think we can see from here, the correct thing is with great grace comes great responsibility as well. So Paul views grace or responsibility as a gift, as a great honor from God and worth all the hardship even to the prison. So again, what do we view grace or responsibility that God has given to each and every one of us and also as a church? So in verse 7, you will see too that Paul was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace given to him by the working of God's power. Not only Paul has a gift of honor of being the instrument of God in spreading the gospel, he was also given this gracious ability and desire which enabled him to fulfill his apostolic calling as minister to the Gentiles. So if you see 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul said this, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them. No, it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. In fact, Mitten, a commentator, says, Everything Paul has become and achieved in his ministry is not his own doing, but the result of God's grace, God's choice of him, God's calling to him, God's enabling power. So, wherever you are in God's ministry, whether in our church or outside the church, I think we need to remember that we are not left alone. God will provide the gift of grace and the power to enable us to fulfill our calling. Let all of us in the ministry, uh, so that we can find comfort in this gift of grace and the power from God that empower us to serve Him with joy, even in the face of challenges 
and difficulties. Paul reminded the vision of the fact how the ministry was made to him uh, by revelation, which is written briefly in verse 3. I think Paul probably refers to his Damascus experience when he encountered Christ and received revelation from him. And he wrote down briefly about it, and I believe it is referring to uh, chapter 1, verse 8 to 16, and uh, chapter 2, 11 to uh, 22 in the book of Ephesians. The word mystery used by Paul, in fact, is not the, not the common understanding of a mystery. We often uh, associate with uh, mystery novels or movies or something that we cannot understand or something that we would never know. The mystery, the word mystery in the original Greek language that used in the New Testament refers to something that was concealed for a long time, but now revealed. Paul reminded us to read and listen and study the Bible to understand his insight in the mystery, in mystery of Christ. During Paul's time, the New Testament documents were read to the entire congregation. They don't have a copy. But now, in our time, I only have can, we can listen to the Bible or sermons and we can also read and study for ourselves. That is why reading and studying the Bible is so important. We are fortunate in the sense that we have easy access to the Word of God and this abundant resources of Bible study materials. In fact, as we know that in some countries, owning a Bible can be illegal. So we should take advantage of this grace of God, which provides us with this opportunity to learn His Word. So from today's passage in verses 3 and 4, and also in chapter 1, Ephesians, we can see the following process how God's work, uh, mystery works. First, it was uh, God's ministry revealed to the apostles. Then the apostles written briefly, like Paul have said, letters and gospel. Then we are required to read the revelations. And from chapter 1, 17 to 18, we know that Paul prayed for the enlightenment of their heart by the Spirit to have this understanding and from chapter 1, 6, 12, 14, by reading the God's mystery, that leads to praising God, to the praise of His glories. So when we read the Bible, sometimes we have to remember this. We need to ask God for this illumination to open the heart, uh, eyes of our heart, uh, to see what God has told us, and which leads to thanksgiving and praising God. Uh, Paul also tells us in verse 5, if you look at verse 5, the mystery was revealed to him that the mystery was not made known in the Old Testament and it was revealed in the New Testament to the apostles and the prophets. And Paul is not saying that the ministry was not, the mystery was not given at all, not revealed at all in the Old Testament. Uh, but what he meant was it was given in much less clarity or precision. 
And this can be seen from the, some passages of the Old Testament which reveal that Gentiles is also uh, part of the family. So if you look at Genesis uh, 12, 2 to 3, you can see that uh, it was says that I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make you, your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will be I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of earth shall be blessed. And the Genesis passage was explained and elaborated by Paul in Galatians 3, 7 and 9. He says that know then that it, in the, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing the God, would justify Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you you shall all the, all the nation be blessed. So then those who are faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So another two examples is even in Isaiah, where the Lord says, I will make you as the light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And also in Isaiah 56, it was saying the foreigners, their burnt offering and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called the house of prayer for all people. These are the passages with hinting that the people of God is bigger than Jew, Jewish people. And Paul reviewed the, ministry, uh, the mystery succinctly in verse 6. Before it was not clear, but now he put it very clearly in verse 6. That this mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We may not be surprised by this uh, mystery, this revelation, because all along we know that we are included in the family of God. But this is not the same as the Jewish people. If you step into the shoes of the Jewish people, this will be a shocking revelation. As we remember from the sermon series in the book of Acts, where the Gentiles were regarded as dogs, and the Jewish people wouldn't enter into their house. You know, how can they be equal? And remember the, the vision given to, to Peter about the animals and God asked him to kill and eat. And then the subsequent uh, uh, so-called pen, uh, Pentecost, this mini Pentecost in uh, Cornelius' uh, family where they was felt, the spirit was felt on the Gentiles and they spoke in tongue. That shows that Gentiles are also uh, part of the family of God. So even though the Old Testament did give a glimpse of the mystery about the salvation of Gentiles, it was never in the mind of the Jewish people. And especially as same standing as the Jews. They might say that, yeah, you can be included, but you cannot be equal. They will not think that they are equal uh, uh, with Jews themselves. The, the chosen people of God. 
But in the Bible, we are told that Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers. And in Ephesians 2.19, Gentiles are regarded as fellow citizens. And the equality of the Gentiles with the Jews was something that is beyond their imagination. And we can see from mystery is that God's purpose has always been to create one new body in which Jews and Gentiles will share equally as fellow members and fellow heirs, fellow partakers of the promise given to Abraham and to the patriarchs. And this is the work of Jesus in uniting Jews and Gentiles into new body which we now call the church. And this commentator, O'Brien, described the mystery as this complete union of Jews and Gentiles with each other through the union, both with Christ. And the mystery and union is made possible, and we have learned, through the gospel, which is the blood of Christ. So what a, what a grace of God that has given to us. And let's look back to chapter 2, uh, 12 to 13. You see, remember that you were at once separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The mystery is only made possible by this sacrificial love of Christ on the cross. Paul became a servant of this gospel by the gift of grace given to him through the working of his power. It is God's grace that got Paul saved. And it is also God's grace that kept him going in his ministry. Although Paul was an apostle from God used to reveal his word, through many letters in the New Testament. But Paul regarded himself as the very least of all saints in verse 8. And this is because of the past persecution of the Christian in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, 10. So God uses unlikely people to be servant and to be part of the church. Uh, Paul passed shameful and cruel persecution against a Christian did not deter him from receiving God's grace in serving God. So do you think that you are not the right person God wants to use? Do you think that you are not qualified because of your past? So think about Paul and think again. Paul's appointment as a ministry, minister is a gift of God's grace. It is by the sheer grace of God. So we should know that God too will give us grace to do what He has called us to do, including our ministry in the church. His grace towards us will not be in vain. So do open your arms to embrace what God has called you to do. Do not resist or give excuses like what I did before about inability because God, as we have learned, will provide the grace that we need to serve 
and to obey His calling. Not only God will give grace to our ministry, He will also give us the power needed as He has given to Paul, as we can see in uh, Romans 15, 18, 19 and Colossians. He said, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me bring, to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed and by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around the Iliacum, I have fulfilled the mystery, ministry of the gospel of Christ. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works with us. We know that ministry is very tough. I think many of us know that and experience that. But God is gracious and God has given the grace and the power for us to serve him uh, in church, in church ministry and to obey his calling. In verse 8, the grace given to Paul, we are told there are two immediate purposes. First is to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then second, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So what is this unsearchable riches of Christ that Paul was given the grace to preach? What does the word unsearchable mean? Uh, in NIV, the word was described as boundless riches of Christ. Uh, in NLT, the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Uh, in the paraphrase Bible, the message it is described as the inexhaustible riches and generous, generosity of Christ. So I think basically we get the idea that the riches of Christ is without limit. It is bottomless. Some have even used the word incomprehensible, probably beyond our imagination. So the next question is that, what is the riches of Christ? Is Christ himself the riches? Or is it Christ that gives the riches? The riches of Christ, uh, riches that is Christ, or riches that Christ gives? Which one is which? I think this is why we study the Bible uh, and this is why it is interesting and exciting. Remember what we have studied before, uh, we asked the questions whether we are God's inheritance or we, you know, God is our inheritance. So now we have this question, he's, he's talking about uh, Christ is the, is the riches or Christ will give the riches. I think probably we should not make that distinction again. The Bible teach both in the Bible. So if you look at uh, Ephesians 1, 7 to 10, Paul says, himself says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So this forgiveness of sins is a gift by Christ. So Christ gives uh, the riches and when you look at Philippians, 
3, 7, 8. It says that, but whatever gain I, I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. So knowing Christ is worth, the surpassing worth. And I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them and rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So in this context, Christ is the richest. So the two immediate purpose, why the second immediate purpose, why the grace of God was given to him is to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of mystery hidden for ages in God. Paul, as the minister of gospel, was tasked to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And not only that, you can see from chapter 1, 17 to 18, we also see that God, Paul actually prayed for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and enlightenment of the hearts to see the gospel that has been revealed to, to them. And this is actually exactly what Jesus has commissioned Paul to do during the Damascus uh, encounter in Acts uh, 26 and 70 to 78. If you look at it, he's, Jesus is telling Paul that I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God and they may receive forgiveness and sin and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is the duty of uh, Paul to bring light to the Gentiles. But then, those are two immediate purposes. If you look closely, so that it leads to the ultimate purpose of God appointing Paul to preach the riches of Christ and to bring light to the mystery. That is so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So what is this manifold wisdom? In fact, Pastor Micah gave me this uh, a very short passage of the commentary. He described this uh, uh, manifold wisdom as iridescent wisdom. In fact, I just learned a new word yesterday, <laughs> iridescent. <laughs> I think many of them might know, but to me, this is a new word to me. So I check it out. In fact, it is uh, describing that uh, uh, iridescent, something, show, something that's showing colors, uh, luminous colors that seem to change. And when we see it from a different angle. One example is that you remember the soap bubble, if you look at it, you know, it was flowing. You know, it's beautiful, but it's multicolor. But, it, you know, from different angle, it's different color changing. So it's very complex and beautiful. And uh, it is used uh, in this verse 10, manifold wisdom as a fi figurative sense to describe the, richest, di the richly diversified nature of the divine wisdom. In fact, we get the glimpse of this uh, Iridescence to divine wisdom when we see how God diverse way of working uh, through his people uh, to lead to this even to this multiracial multicultural community being united as fellow members of the body of Christ and uh, God is using the church uh, to demonstrate his this wisdom to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places 
Another example of this uh, wisdom is that, remember Joseph? The brothers was um, meant for evil, sold him to the Egyptian, but it was meant for good. You know, it's so complex that even God, in his wisdom, he can turn this around and it, it can become meant for good uh, for the Jewish people. So the question now is, who are the rulers and who are the author and authorities in the heavenly places? When I first saw you, I never thought that this would be the answer. Rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. In fact, after checking out the commentaries, it seems that it is primarily the demons and the evil spirit, despite the word in the heavenly uh, places. In fact, if you look at a few references to the Bible, you will see what are the rulers and the authorities in the Bible men. So in Ephesians 6, if you look at that, you say, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God and you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So the, and then the first Corinthians 2, it says that then comes the end when he delivers a kingdom of God, the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put his enemies under his feet. The preaching of the riches of Christ, the bringing of light to the mystery hidden in ages is the means by which God shows his manifold wisdom to the rulers and authorities. And how it was shown, how it was made known to the rulers and authorities, and you can see one example in Ephesians uh, 1, 19-23. This is how God showed his iridescent wisdom to the rulers and authorities. He raised him from the dead, Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name and his name, not only in the age but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fill in all in all. Satan thought he had defeated Jesus by killing him. But he didn't know there was a greater purpose be behind his death. That is the manifold wisdom of God. So what have changed if you notice that before we received the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, we are closely related to these rulers and authorities. In fact, we are followers. If you look at Ephesians 2, 1, 3, before receiving this salvation, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, 
the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And what happened to us now after we have this grace of Jesus? In Ephesians 6, 10, 2. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realm. So what have changed? We were followers of rulers and authorities. But now, we are fighters against them. And guess what? We are fighting a fight. Win. What do you call? We are fighting as a victor. Because we are sure, shown that we will win eventually. As you can see, in even in Ephesians 2, 5, 6, it was, we are told that even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we will be fighting against these principalities and the evil spirit as a victor as we already been raised up and seated with, with Jesus Christ in the heavenly places. And this is an example of how God demonstrated His manifold wisdom to show to the demons that they are fools by rebelling against God. And our God is wise. And God is using His people, both Jews and Gentiles, that is church, as an instrument used by God to make Him known His infinite manifold wisdom to the demonic power. So our salvation is not simply a ticket to heaven. He has a greater purpose. In fact, He has a cosmic effect that is to be God's people. As God's body of Christ, we are supposed to demonstrate His great multicolor wisdom to the rulers and to the authorities. We can show them that they are powerless. The evil spirit are powerless to stop the progress of the gospel to the Gentiles or even to destroy the church. No way they are going to do it because of the manifold wisdom of our God. I think this is the intention of God from all eternity. And God has now accomplished in Jesus Christ. And that is why we say that a church gathering under Christ is a celebration of God's eternal spiritual victory over Satan, over sin, and over death at the cross. Now that Christ has accomplished His purpose, we can now approach God with confidence and freedom. Wherever we are from, whatever we have done before, and through this gospel, we can now confidently approach God in prayer and live our lives in the presence, in His presence, uh, even now on earth. We are no longer God's enemies, but we are now the precious adopted children of God. And all these are by the grace of God.
So Paul urges the Ephesians not to discourage because of his suffering. In fact, his suffering as a result of preaching Christ crucified is also God's plan in bringing about his people, the church. Paul went through the suffering for you and for your glory. And this you is not you individually. This you is talking about the body of Christ. It's for the glory of the church as the body of Christ. Very often we think of our own salvation and our own personal relationship with God. But there's nothing wrong with that. But if we notice from the Bible, we are constantly reminded that when the Bible says you, a lot of times they are referring to us as the church. So the body of Christ, I mean the church, because that's the body of Christ that he had purchased with his own blood. So let us not lose heart when we face challenges or difficulties in carrying out our calling as an individual and particularly as a church. Remember that now we have access to God and we have access to the unsearchable reaches of Jesus Christ. And now we are fighter against the rulers and authorities and we are fighting a winning battle. So let us consider, reconsider our view on God's grace and the salvation and the church. Our view may be too narrow and too small compared to the view that God has revealed to us through his servant, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray the Lord you will constantly remind us of what you have revealed to us. You have something greater and more marvelous uh, in our life, uh, in the church. And it's not about just our personal relationship with you, but you have a greater calling for us to be your people that you have united uh, together, Jews and Gentiles, and to demonstrate uh, to the rulers and principalities that you are wise, your wisdom, your manifold wisdom that uh, will, will, will show that you are a great God and your God uh, worthy to be praised and worthy to be worshipped. Lord, help us as a church and continue to use us and uh, open our hearts uh, to see what you have called us to do and to to do what you have called us with this understanding that you will give us grace and you will give us power to achieve what you have uh, called us as a church to do. Pray this in Jesus' name.